I'm Ben Clunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. We're two entrepreneurial professionals based in Spokane, Washington. Join us on our journey to make 2019 the most prosperous of our lives. We'll bear all as we strive to improve all aspects of our business and our health and fitness, as well as our relationships personally and professionally. We aim to offer impactful insight into our business and personal lives. We'll share the good, the bad, and the ugly throughout our journey. With the ultimate goal of our business and fitness being in the best shape of our lives at the close of 2019. You are listening to the Ordinary to Extraordinary Podcast. It's kind of just free flow, by the way. So yeah, I there's like no that. real rhyme or reason to how we do these. They're yeah. meant to be fun and goofy, and we have some. Rhyme we got, well, the only rhyme or reason is the icebreakers that we kick it off with. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know about. And the you haven't listened, yet. No. so you don't know what they yeah. are. Oh boy. <laughs> That's all right. I think you're gonna like them. So, yeah, we can get going. You want to do introductions? Sure. So, welcome to Ordinary to Extraordinary. We're actually recording in a different room. We're here at U District PT in Spokane. If you haven't seen it or checked it out, check it out. Do some amazing work. We're here with Mike Nielsen, who is the co-owner and founder of U District, and we'll let you we'll let you tell your story in a minute, Mike. But I also want to point out that we are wearing matching shoes, <laughs> and I didn't think we'd be matching today, we'll, but I knew we'll that you just up. bought them. So yeah, we, we're wearing matching shoes, and we'll talk about shoes a little bit. But yeah, we've got some. You've got some cool things coming up, Mike. So why don't we start with some icebreaker questions? And I always like to test Ben a little bit and see if he remembers what they are. I can remember at least one or two of them <laughs> by this point. It's like, and I'll start off with the one that I remember the quickest. It's if they were to make a movie about your life. Oh boy. Okay. <clears throat> Who would you want the actor to be, and then what would the movie be about? Oh boy. Um, The Rock would be the actor. <laughs> and, uh, That's what Steven wants to be. Oh, really? Oh I want to train with him so badly. Oh, I just, I, I mean, I have, don't, haven't really seen a whole lot of his movies, but I just saw the commercial on TV where they throw like a berry at his peck and he bumps it. And, <laughs> and so I'm kind of obsessed with trying to flex my, my chest like that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, hopefully it would be a, a story about family. And I just love being a dad and a husband cool. and, and a son and a brother. So something like that. Awesome. Nice, uh, quick, easy one. Yeah. Second. Remember any more? I do. Essentially, what was your childhood dream job? When you were growing up, what did you want to be? What were you aspiring to be? I don't know the answer to this. Yeah, that's easy. Although I really am doing my dream job right now. But I thought when I was growing up that my dream job was to play in the NBA, I'd be a professional basketball player. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I remember I was in uh, grade school, and I was playing Nintendo, the old school NES, oh, yeah. with my buddy. And his dad says, Jamie. Yeah, he's like, hey, the new Michael Jordan commercial's on. And I'd never heard of Michael Jordan before. And so I ran out, and you see this guy dunking, and it was just I just, it was just it was awesome. And so, of course, immediately after, we go and we play one-on-one in the front yard. And he's like, who do you want to be, Larry Bird or Michael Jordan? And I'm like, uh, Michael Jordan. I didn't even know who Larry Bird was at the time. And so uh, from that day forward, he was my favorite player. And then I just knew I wanted to be a basketball player. So, Sweet. yeah, I, I have a lot of different interests, but basketball has been one that I've stuck with, you know, from probably age five, six, all the way to now. Yeah. Wow. How old are you? 
Uh, 42. 42. I didn't think you were that much older than me. I'm 37. I thought we were around the same. So. Yeah, don't let the gray hair fool you. <laughs> ben has that too. I've got a few. Yeah, but you got the light hair. It shows with got my black gray. hair. It's, yeah, yeah it sticks out a little. It more. really does. You yeah. distinguished. Thank distinguished. you. I'm liking this podcast so far. <laughs> Stroking right. his ego. Last question. One thing that you'd like to accomplish before the end of your life. You know, my passion right now is basketball, nutrition, strength, conditioning, and leadership. And so, um, you know, I really like to create hoop commitment and make it just a great, useful resource for basketball coaches, basketball players. And so, you know, that's I only can kind of see as far as my headlights will take me, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. You know, I think I mentioned at the beginning, for sure, my my one passion is family, and so. Mm-hmm. But when I'm not doing that, I love digging into basketball-specific training. So I think before it's all said and done, I'd like to really master or you know, kind of create a really simple roadmap for players that want to get their bodies physically ready for the game of basketball. So hopefully when it's all said and done, I've created something like that. So family seems to be a big deal. Just It sounds like it's probably a foundation upon which everything else you you build. So talk about your family a little bit. You're married. You got three kids. Yeah. So set the stage for people who don't know you. Yeah. Did your wife work out of the home? What? How old are the kids? What's going on there? Yeah. So uh, I've been really, really lucky. I grew up in Seattle and come from a big family. There's five siblings and my parents and my grandparents. We all, uh, you know, just kind of the way I was raised, we just were always around family. So I just thought everyone thought family was that important. Mm-hmm. And then I came over here to go to school, uh, to go to college at Gonzaga. And slowly but surely picked off my younger brothers. So two years after um, I had graduated and went to Gonzaga, my other brother was graduating from high school, and he didn't know what he wanted to do. And I'm like, hey, why don't you come live in my college house? We can hang out, you know, you can figure it out. And so now I got myself and my brother, and then I was a fifth-year senior. So my senior year, my other brother graduates from high school. He doesn't know what he wants to do. I'm like, come on over, come live with us. And so then I had a few boys, and my parents ended up moving over. Then my sister, my younger brother, oh, and both funny. sets of grandparents. So we're all located in. You Easter. got everybody to come uh, to Spokane. Oh, it's so great! And so um, we just were out in uh, Coeur d'Alene on Saturday, Sweet. and it's so fun to see my brothers and my sister. Now they have kids, and see all our kids get along. It's just awesome. So yeah, I have three kids: uh, two boys and a girl. Um, my wife, Rhiannon, she um, works out, out of the house. We have rentals that she manages, but she's Runners. also kind of getting into uh, fashion. So she's kind of an up-and-coming um, fashion blogger slash Instagram um, person. Cool. So it's kind of cool because that was my space where I'm trying to get into that space, and she's only been in it for a few months, and she already, I mean, she's just killing it. So I'm learning from her now, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Yep. So she's trying to run like a fashion lifestyle brand through Instagram or something? Yeah, it started out. She's always, you know, like like I love basketball, I love guitar, I love nutrition, I love all these things. Yeah. And she was always kinda like, I don't I don't know what I like, you know? Um she did. She just didn't know that it was fashion. Huh, cool. And so, um yeah, she has her little Stella and Dot clothing business with jewelry oh, yeah. and and then she started um posting pictures and then, you know, and then Target and starts picking up her pictures and now she's on this thing called Like to Know where she takes a picture and she loads up the, the clothes that she's wearing and the people can buy them and then she gets like commissioned uh, for it. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So she's yeah. an influencer. Yeah. 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 And so it's been really fun. It's kind of cool to see her business mind come out and her passion. Um, yeah, so it's been really fun. Yeah, that is cool. I like it. Something different. I love it. So I'd like to – I started off um, how we know each other 
So about seven years ago now, if that doesn't make you feel old, it makes me feel uh, old. I was in the soccer game. As people know, I was coaching kids. I was running a soccer club and we were looking for a home for athletic training. And so many soccer clubs never had anything. Uh, we were asking kids that were essentially unathletic to be athletic and do these crazy things with their feet. But a lot of them struggled to walk and chew gum at the same time. So we started looking for a home and, you know, Shea Swoboda, we both yeah. reached out to you and sat down. And unfortunately, you just couldn't house us. You, you hadn't, you didn't have the space yet and you never mm. had it in your schedule to work on our schedule. And we ended up working with some other people. But I believe that Shea found her way back to you at some point. At, at least yeah. a lot of our players did. Yeah. Um, and it was great. So that's how I know you. And then from there, we just kind of stayed in touch and touch base every now and again. Um and watching the growth of U District, U District's like a, a staple in the community now, which is obviously wonderful for Spokane and, and great for you and your business partners and, and the people involved here. So talk about that. Talk about the development of U District from what the concept was initially starting to, to where it is now. Yeah, how did you meet your partners too? Yeah, I got to work together. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of luck for sure. I mean, I'm and I, of course, we all know hard work is a part of it, but yeah. a lot of these things that have happened have been um, – not things that I set out to do. It wasn't a business plan. I got really lucky that I worked at another physical therapy clinic with a, a guy named Jeff Hart, who's my business partner now. He was a physical therapist. I was hustling, doing strength conditioning. I was um, working part-time at Gonzaga uh, as the assistant strength coach. And, um, and he said, hey, I have this vision of starting this physical therapy sports performance clinic. And I have a great partner, uh, a, a great friend I went to PT school with. He's over in Seattle, and he's working at this exact type clinic where you do physical therapy, and once people finish physical therapy, you have a home for them. They can do the retur return to sport program, and if any of the athletes get injured, well, then they have a home. They can go and do physical therapy. So it's this great one-stop shop to really take care of athletes. And uh, they said his name's Brian Cronin. And I'd never met Brian before, and he was living on the west side. And so we met up and immediately just was like, these are two great guys. I want to be involved with them. They had the physical therapy background. I had the sports performance background. But I had no experience with the model at all. I always tease and say it was my vision, um, but it was the exact opposite. I just was kind of going along for the ride. They said, hey, this is going to be, you know, this is this is the way to do it. So Sounds good. Exactly. Yeah. And looking back, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how we would have done it now because at the time we had nothing to lose. You know, we were, oh, yeah. we had borrowed, uh, I just got finished playing basketball over in Europe and make a long story short, all my money had run out and I was trying to pursue that dream and it wasn't working out. And so we had to borrow $500 from my mother-in-law so we could afford kind of a down payment on an apartment. And so when I met these guys and they said, let's start a business, I'm like, yeah, of course. I had no money, you sure. know, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> Just don't ask me to put any money down in it. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was awesome because now the best part of starting U District is my friendship, my relationship with Jeff and Brian, my two partners. Oh. They're just great fathers, great people. Um, and so, but at the time, I went in kind of blindly a little bit. I knew Jeff because I'd worked with them, but I didn't know Brian at all. And it was really their two vision to start this up. And we had a, a little hole in the wall right off Pacific and Cowley, right downtown. Mm. And it's kind of a tougher neighborhood in mm -hmm. Spokane um, you know a lot of mornings you'd roll up and you'd have to ask people to kind of hey would you move off the, the, the doorsteps because we're going to have kids coming through and mm -hmm. there's um, you know working ladies that would be on the street that we'd have a kids camp and you know it's a difficult conversation to walk over and say hey you know we have to have this path cleared um, and yeah so that was I remember one day I was pulled up and I was uh, 
I never, we didn't park in the parking lot because we wanted to save spots for our clients. So I'm parked across the street from U District. And I pull over and I go to make a phone call. I'm on my phone. And this lady comes over. And as she's coming, I'm like, hey, no. And I'm waving my hand like, no. But she thinks I'm like saying yes. So she opens up the door and I'm on <laughs> oh, the phone. No. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm on the phone with my wife. Go away. <laughs> So that probably didn't look good for the cops. Um, I'm like, oh, I see what these U District guys. It, yeah, it right. could have been fun if they were watching, right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but so that's where we started, and then it was once again, it was not my vision. But yeah. my partner Brian said, "Hey, come down and check out this building. It's located right across the street from Gonzaga." And we walked in, and it's twenty-something thousand square feet, you know. And, <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like, how are we going to pull this off?" I had no vision at all, and he's like. Ah, this is what I see. I see a soccer center over here. I see we have chiropractors, MD, massage therapy. And uh, like, Whoa. and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just sweating just thinking about it, you know. Um, that was his vision, and I've always trusted my partners. And so it's been nice because we all have kind of our areas that we really bring strengths cool. to the table. And I have a business background. So when we first started the business, I was kind of in charge of looking at the balance sheet, profit, loss. And now you fast forward 15 years and they're smarter than I am at it, but that was kind of what I brought mm. to the table. I brought the sports performance piece. Um, you know, I have a master's degree in leadership and that's a strong mm. passion, as I, like I mentioned. I think I brought that piece initially and then it's been fun because my partner Brian, he's kind of taken and run with it. And he's created a leadership program for our staff here, for our team at U District. That's great. And so it's really fun. Yeah, it's a year-long program that he's built. And um, yeah, so it's, it's just nice. When I first started U District, I... Uh, I went to uh, a trusted mentor and said, hey, what do you think about me starting a part partnership? And he said, you know what they tell you on the first day of Harvard Business School? Never join a partnership. Yeah. <laughs> and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, not only am I joining a partnership, I got two partners. Yeah. And now, uh, you know, if people always ask me, hey, you know, give me some advice on starting a business. And I always tell them, find two people that have common morals or values as you but think totally different than you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that's been really for me where I've found the most joy is Jeff and Brian are the best guys in the world. I just, I, I just trust them, but they have totally different thought processes than I do. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where we are today. Different giftings make such a great thing. Like, I mean, they all come together, right? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how you started out with one and then I'll get to you. Oh, that's cool. You started out with one area of expertise and now it's you've all kind of morphed so you were business and now brian's kind of stepped into some of that so it's like how your giftings can change throughout a business cycle too it's pretty awesome to see well there's, sure. there's two takeaways from that that i've got so i'm going to start with the one that we probably don't need to talk about much but last week we talked about healthy conflict right you mm -hmm. said two business partners that think completely different and we discussed this last week yeah that healthy conflict like you guys are probably at the point that you can give each other a hug after having an argument and walk away going that's oh, what's sure. best for the business and we're both coming at it from different places yeah, but disagree. with the same vision and goal in mind and then you walk away you know not feeling slighted because your ego and your emotions are checked at the door and it's what's best for the business you think this way i think this way let's find a, a hybrid that works and then the second part that i get from this that you seem to i don't know if you're just being humble and leaving it out you know you said that you didn't really have the vision or anything like that you brought a lot more to the table in your gonzaga connections obviously because you guys have had a long-standing partnership with gonzaga if you want to talk about that a little bit yeah for sure you know i i think and this this is why i like the power of three and we, maybe we could talk about this three is my favorite number and i really believe it's a magic number on planet earth because you think about the tripod is the most stable structure on planet earth 
-hmm. It has three legs. You take away one leg and it's no longer stable. If you add a fourth leg, you add complexity without adding equal value. And so now you have five or six or seven legs. Yes, more stable, but you're adding way more complexity than value. And then you look at there's only three primary colors that make up every color that we see on planet Earth. In my world, the strength conditioning world, there's only three planes of motion. Every athletic movement that you see on the soccer field or the basketball court is only made of sagittal, frontal, and transverse plane. That's it, you know. Mm. So I love that three is a magic number. It's the most stable structure. And so I like a three-person partnership because in 15 years, we've had some really intense, crucial conversations. And if it was just one of my business partners and I, I don't know how that would have worked out because I'm digging my heels in because I really have this vision and I know it's correct and he does the same. And then the third partner will come in and Jeff will say, Mike, I I think Brian's right. And I have such respect for those guys that, boy, if two guys are seeing something I'm not, then okay, we roll with it. And then there's a couple things that it's, it's all for one, one for all. When we changed our logo, that's something that all three of us have to agree upon. Yeah. But daily business decisions, for the most part, we just kind of go, hey, this is majority rules, and we just have enough trust where it works, you know. And so, yeah, starting out, I, I, you know, a lot of people might say that I'm being humble about the vision thing, but it's really true. Uh, that was, <laughs> uh, I just, I think I vision for certain things. I have vision for um, the hoop, hoop commitment piece, the leadership piece. Uh, the nutrition piece, but with starting U District, I didn't. But one thing I did bring was the Gonzaga contract. And boy, the administration at GU is just awesome. Mike Roth and Chris Stanford and Shannon, all, all the, the administrators um, just gave me a chance when I probably wasn't the most qualified person for the job. But they believed in me and they, they gave me a chance. And so that, that's been great. U District is the exclusive strength conditioning providers for Gonzaga. So I act as the head strength coach over there and we train all their athletes. Uh, I spend Pretty much I'm over there full-time. I usually come over to U-District for an hour or two a day to maybe do some business stuff. Uh, but for the most part, I'm kind of overseeing the the programs over there, which is, I mean, it's kind of a dream job like we talked about. <laughs> I thought I wanted to play in the NBA, yeah. but I get to wear the Jordan 4s. Yeah. We're, we're twinning today. I yep. mean, I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt, and I get to work with motivated athletes. And so, you know, on the weekends, like Living yesterday. Oh, it's so fun. Last night, you know, my wife... I brushed my teeth first, and she's finishing up doing her uh, routine. And I couldn't wait. I was kind of happy she was finishing up routine because I'm working this. I'm reading this uh, program design book. I'm not studying because I have to for work or for certification. I'm studying because I really want to know this stuff. I want to know it so I can help my athletes. But selfishly, I still love to play. I have three kids that I want to be able to help out them and their friends. So it's kind of cool when your life is congruent like that. Which is, is it work? Is it play? Is it family? And it's kind of yes. Is to answer to all of it. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. And this is a lot of the things you touched on are where we are from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Ben still dresses fancy, but I've reached a point in my career where business casual to me is exactly how I'm dressed now. I'm Jordan wearing a polo fours. shirt, I'm wearing Jordan 4s, Jordan I wear Nike head to toe. I was say, this is business casual, um, buddy. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. Not, not in today's world, maybe in the finance world. I think people have an expectation of finance and people have an expectation in Spokane when you walk in wearing how Ben's dressed. They think, are you a cop? Are you a tax man? And I have to visit with business owners, so I want to be relatable to them. And business owners in Spokane, their jeans and polos are t-shirts and shorts. And I can do all of that. So I've reached a point where where we do it the same. And when I was with the soccer club, it was the same. I used to say exactly what you said. I get to wear shorts and t-shirt to work every day. Oh, yeah, I love it. (laughs) And it was great. I don't ever see myself having to dress like that ever again. 
Those socks are cool, though, Ben. You, you, like socks, <laughs> you. you have style, man. And you can pull that off because you know it has the red, the white, the yellow, the blue, the green. Those Jeez. are some socks. Yeah. My funky so socks. when we take pictures of our twinning shoes, you can be in with your shoes and oh, socks. Oh, my fancy shoes and my socks. <laughs> so let's like talk casual. Jordans for a minute. Let's talk shoes because I think you and I probably have the same affliction. How many pairs of Nike do you think you own? Well, that's all I have is, is Nike because, you mm-hmm. know, if I'm going to wear my Gonzaga, they have to be Nike. So I have a little Jordan wall and I, I think on. I... If you're going to wear my Gonzaga, they have to be Nike? Yeah, or, or Converse, yeah. We're in Nike school. Like it has to part. be a oh, Nike. seriously? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I did not And know that. you don't mess with those contracts? No, yeah. no. Especially yeah. now, over the years, they've kind of, uh, you know, as the, the programs have been more successful, we've kind of reached higher tiers oh. of the program. So... Um, yeah, if, if I was wearing some Reeboks and a Nike person was around, uh, matter of fact, we had a, a, an athlete that had a foot injury, and her feet are really odd shaped and these really narrow at the end. Yeah. And so we were trying to find some shoes that fit for her. In the meantime, Nike was doing a great job of working to try and get her some more narrow shoes. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, she had a pair of shoes at home that were of another brand that fit Uh-oh. her well. And we duct taped or used uh, um, athletic tape to kind of cover up this, the, the logos. But even then, administration was like, did not like it at all yeah. because Nike's been so good to us. So, yeah, you know, I have my little Jordan wall that I put together. I built a house, and that was one of the things on my checklist. I got to have a, a, you know, because all these shoes I wanted when I was a kid, I couldn't afford. Or my, my parents were like, I'm not paying $100 for a pair of shoes. <laughs> well, now I can buy them. So, oh, gosh, I probably have uh, – 16 18 pairs of jordans and then probably uh, you know another 10 pairs of just regular nikes oh you're not as bad as me i was like steven how many do you have i'm i'm probably 70 to 80 pairs oh and about my. 30 pairs have never been on my feet they will be like i'm not He's scared got to a wear problem. them like i just got these 30 pair that haven't even been worn never even been on my feet <laughs> here's a question for you this is important and this is what do you commingle brands at all steven has a thing he's he like if i wear can. No, I'm just out and about. <laughs> yeah. like, normal. If I have like a Nike shirt on with an Under Armour shorts, Steven's mind is about to explode. He doesn't. I was like, do you wear Levi pants with a Levi shirt wherever you go with <laughs> Levi underwear? That's a nice point. Okay, like, that's a good point. But he has an issue when someone wears Nike and Under Armour and then yeah. like Adidas shoes. It's like, oh, no. It drives me nuts. He can't stand it. Do you, do you same brand all the way through all the time? I, I do, but uh, I don't know if I would have put that much thought into it. I just do it because of the Gonzaga contract. But um, I don't know if I'd have an issue. I probably would have said yes until you said, well, I wear Levi's and I'll wear a, a different brand shirt. You know, So that's a good point. I would say I'm not. that's not a, a weird pet peeve of mine. But I also don't have 30 <laughs> pairs of Nike that are un- open. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I have a collection. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm like the ultimate shoe dog. Like, I'm just adding to it all the time. He's a sick, sick man. And a lot of times you buy them and it just, it's not that I won't wear them. It's just, I need the occasion to wear them. Well, there's only so many days out of the year. And if you have that many shoes. So tell me, what's your favorite pair of Jordans that you have? The 13s, the ones that I told you to get. Yeah. To comp- so the ones let, you're wearing right let's now. give context here for people listening. So Mike posted on social media a week and a half, two weeks ago. Yeah. And he had his little Jordan wall and there was one space and he said, I need one pair of Jordans to complete my collection. What should I get? There was debate. I mean, how many comments did you get on that first and foremost? More than I've had on any other post. That's not to yeah. say a lot, but I don't know if it was 50 or 75 so, or 100 or something. I don't know. Jays can split a room. Like yeah, people yeah. love the ones but hate the threes and love the sixes and the fours. And it's like, yeah, but if I had to choose the sixes, went over the fours. 
But for me, I was looking at your collection, and a lot of your collection are earlier models, right? Yeah, earlier all of them, yeah. So earlier models. Think, well, dude, there's <laughs> just. I think we're up in there. the 30s now, right? A different pair every year since 1982, 83. Seriously. Yeah, I think 85, yeah. I think. 85. Yeah. So... I mean, Jordan's, like I said, will split the room. So my, my recommendation was the 13s in the original colorway. The reason being, I just think it's the essential pair of Jordans that everybody has to have because it's what he was wearing when he won the sixth championship. So Took awesome. his last shot for the Bulls. You know, multiple different colorways. They're the, the most sought after, believe it or not, the 13s. Um, I almost wore my black on black Jordan 1s today and i was like nah we'll wear the ones he just bought yeah Uh, but then a few days later he posted that he made the decision but there was so much and we actually went back and forward a little bit on social media you were like why would you choose those ones and i told you and you like those ben i was just saying just give him a little look see here now you've tied yours differently but let's see i don't tie shoes i put the laces underneath them in there yeah Yeah. and then you can see the logo on the tongue better that's that's yeah that's a sneakerhead move right there. So I'm not at his level. <laughs> not, he's got a problem, I told you. So I also buy colorways that are really, really, like, white. And I'm like, well, you can't wear those, say, for one or two months of the year, right? Yeah, right. So right. when you've got any kind of white near the bottom of your shoes, you can't wear them when it's wet. Yeah. Or you ruin them. And then I've got a lot of suede, which these are, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, you can only wear those in the summer. And then you're like, oh, do I really want to wear those ones? And so yeah, I am. I have an issue. I'm not upset about it. I'm single. I don't have kids. If I'm going to waste money on something, it might as well be something that makes me happy, right? Uh, yeah. It's say, as long as you're, yeah, as long as you're saving your money, you know, and doing what you're supposed to do and taking care of your business, then whatever makes you happy. Well, you'll like this. I'm the finance guy, so I can say that. Some of those unopened Nikes that I have worth some coin have appreciated in value. Oh now. yeah. <laughs> you'll be you'll be happy to hear this. I actually, when I look at shoes now, I'm like kind of like specifically like looking at nike shoes <laughs> even i'm like like damn it steven <laughs> well, you've done this to me it's your fault the other thing about shoes that really bugs me when i see people in the gym lifting in shoes or doing power lifting and deadlifts and you know squats and they're wearing like either running shoes with unstable soles or they're wearing visible air bubbles like they've got a pair of nike 270s on and it's like oh god come on you're going to break yourself you know wear converse before you wear those like get a pair of metcons and yeah so i mean i'm I'm across the spectrum as well it's not one like some people are just jays i'm literally like all nike and i'm also quick to say those nikes suck they're they they do not look good do you know who's got great <laughs> shoes by the way sometimes i see them and i'm just like mike roth oh yeah mike roth i'm like where did you get those he's like yeah, yeah. I got special connections, and I'm like, oh, dude. And he keeps on saying to me, he's like, I'll show you some if you well, want. he was wearing some <laughs> SYP event night, I remember, that were like a limited edition. They were 13s. They, they were, were a 13, like, com. But they were blue. I called him out on them. Like? I was just like, dude. His, his shoe game is, is really nice. He's, yeah, he'll be rolling. And it doesn't matter if he's wearing a tux, business casual. He's always has some really nice Nikes on. Does he really? Mm-hmm. Oh, That's yeah. Awesome business casual or in a tux yeah. he's yep. nikes sweet so let's go full circle now your district is obviously uber successful here in spokane and your passion is basketball and basketball conditioning and now we're at the point that you're literally in the last month just launched a product called hoop commitment let's talk about that the inspiration behind it where you're at with it and what your vision for it is because it's so cool yeah, you know, uh, I love going on vacations because you can kind of step, sit back, and especially we go to Mexico and there's no internet for me, and so you just kind of do a lot of thinking. And um, 
this was eight years ago, just sit back saying, okay, what's, what, what do I want to do? You know, like what's the next 10 years going to look like? And I thought if I had a billion dollars, all the money in the world, what do I do? And of course you take a vacation, you, you, you take some time off. But I think when all that's said and done, I realized that I still do basketball strength conditioning. I still yeah. learn about nutrition. I still study leadership. And so that was a huge sign to me that, man, if I had all the money in the world and I would still do this for work, okay, well, that's, let's, let's roll with that. And so, um, yeah, I created Hoop Commitment, and we call it the Eat, Train, Lead model. So nutrition, workouts, leadership for basketball. And, um, and that's where I want to take my career the next 10 years is just really document all the things that I've kind of learned. And, and what's really fun is as I've building this project, it's made me a better strength coach. Because yeah. as I go and think about leadership, of course you you, you talk um, to your teammates and to your mm-hmm. to your kids and to your players about stuff. But if I really had to create a system, I don't know if I could have done that ten years ago. And so I read this quote and it said, "Average leaders have quotes. Good leaders have a plan. Exceptional leaders have a system." And that just blew me away because. That's how I was doing my leadership. I, I had a bunch of quotes that I was talking to people about, but I didn't have a plan and I definitely didn't have a system. And so through this process, we created a leadership system and it's called hmm. Three Levels of Leadership. Uh, this past year, we implemented it with our women's basketball team at, at GU. It was an 18-week leadership. We call it the leadership loop, the idea that you kind of make it through the, the whole system and then as you make it to the start, you can dig deeper. You know, it's kind of like... Go again. Yeah, you go travel the world. When you come back home, you see it with fresh eyes. And so I created that with, with the leadership piece and then did the same thing for nutrition. I have the three levels of nutrition, and that's been huge because um, I do the nutrition for the whole athletic department over at Gonzaga. And after doing literally thousands of nutrition consults and seeing all the athletes' nutrition, you start to see what they really need help with. And you have to give them a roadmap for it. And we do this with every other subject in school you know i wouldn't start with math and say hey let's you know this is a kindergarten let's let's work on long division yeah yeah. no we say okay let's start with the numbers you got to count first Mm -hmm. and then we'll do addition and subtraction we do the same thing with uh with reading and writing we're not writing paragraphs or learning the abcs we need that same thing for leadership how 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 do we start with the, the first level and then progress leadership how do we do the same thing with nutrition and i'm really close with the basketball strength conditioning which is funny, you think yeah. that's when I've done the longest that I I think I'm really close with that three levels of strength conditioning for basketball. So with nutrition, just because it's something that I'm trying to figure out myself even <clears throat> as I'm going through training, it's like I neglected it probably the first six months of training. Lost weight, luckily, just purely working out yeah. and eating less calories. But is there anything in particular you see with athletes like that they lack in terms of macronutrients or certain areas that they're it's like, wow, this is pretty common that most of them are way under in their protein or, or in, in yeah. particular. This is what I've seen, and this is why we created this three levels of nutrition. Level one is fuel. And it's the truth that just like gasoline is fuel for your car, food is literally fuel for your body. And so, you know, we have an athlete that might be traveling home to Seattle for the weekend. And if they have a quarter tank of gas, it doesn't matter if it's yeah, the, the premium, that. it's the 92, you mm-hmm. know, octane. It doesn't matter. If you have a quarter tank of gas, you're not going to make it home. And what's really sad is a lot of athletes will say, well, I know I didn't have time to eat. And I would say, if you're on a quarter tank of gas, you're trying to tell me, oh, I don't have time to stop and get gas. I got to make it to Seattle. It, you got to understand that the amount that you eat is crucial. 
And so what we talk about in rule number one is, are you getting enough food? Are you getting enough calories, enough throughout the day? Food frequency, food timing is important. So if you came down, the first thing I would look at is, are you eating enough to fuel what you have going on? And if you do that, level one's fuel, then you make it to level two, which is fire. And this is a really helpful analogy I learned from a sports nutritionist back when I was in school. And he said, when you build a meal, it's just like building a fire. You can't build a fire with one fuel source. If I just had a bunch of logs and tried to light it, it wouldn't be a fire. Or if you just have a bunch of piece of paper, it lights up and it dies off quick. To build a fire, you need three fuel sources. I need pieces of paper. That's my quick burning fuel. And that's what carbohydrates do for you. If you have an apple, Mm it gives you quick bursts of energy. You also need kindling or sticks. If you can imagine kind of creating Mm -hmm. a teepee, the structure of the fire, that's what protein does for you. It's a medium energy source, but it also creates every structure in our body. fingernails, hair, skin, muscle, tendon, bone. And then we also need that log on the fire, which is fat. And so if you pass level one and you're eating enough, then what I do is I'd say, okay, I love it. Perfect. You're having breakfast, lunch, dinner. But now let's take a look. For breakfast, you're not having any fat or no protein. Or for your post-workout meal, you're not having any any simple carbohydrates. So now if you pass level one, which is fuel, and you pass level two, you get protein, carbs, and fat. That's another power of three. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Only, only say the three. three macronutrients, right? Mm-hmm. Then you've earned the right to go to level three, which is food. And not food-like substances, but actually whole food. And I always tell people whole food is where the name of the food is the ingredient of the food. So we know an apple is a whole food because the ingredient of an apple is an apple. Love that. The ingredient of chicken is chicken. Uh, this is kind of a funny one. So I'm giving this talk to the baseball team over at GU. I try to like just give a nice lob softball form. I'm like, yeah, the ingredient of chicken is chicken. And I'm like, I got a tough one for you guys, though. What's the ingredient of an avocado? And half the guys know I'm kind of messing avocado. with them. And this poor soul goes, guacamole? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and the whole baseball yeah. team just clowns on them. <laughs> but what I love about that is That's awesome. you can't talk about quality, quality of food if you're only eating one meal a day. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, you know, I have athletes say, what's better, a green apple or a red apple? Well, it doesn't matter if you're only having one meal a day. Matter of fact, get rid of the apple and have the milkshake. Because if you're only eating an apple, that's only 60 calories. That's not enough to fuel your performance. So you got to make sure that you have enough food. And matter of fact, you might be eating enough, but if you're not having any protein or any fat in your diet, don't ask about the green apple or the red apple. So what I like about that is you have these three levels. It's this roadmap that athletes can take and they could be their own best nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Well, I found that, and it's kind of interesting that it's SAD, standard, standard American diet, yeah. SAD. Yeah. What you find, your, and I'm sure you do this as well, when I, when I work with athletes, I find myself unteaching everything they've ever learned from their parents. To your point, they're eating bars, they're eating, you know, the, the protein bars and things like that. And you look at them, they're f- packed full of sugar and all these different preservatives and, and different things that you really don't want to eat because it's not whole food. They're eating processed meats and, you know, everything comes from a package. And it's like, I want you eating stuff that you can walk into the grocery store, pick up one of them and take it to the, take it and wait. You know, I want you eating good leafy vegetables i want you eating good meats you know and people talk about grass-fed it's you know you know tyler dicker who real well yeah, he yeah. gave us a whole if you if you're going to listen to one listen to his interview on nutrition he talked about the difference between grass-fed and non-grass-fed and it's all nonsense and you know marketing but yeah i think unteaching athletes and reteaching them hey here's how you should be eating to fuel your body and then beyond eating 
and this is the component that I always find people coming back to is the recovery part. How many athletes do you work with that tell you they're working on four or five hours sleep per night? Oh, yeah, and you're like, right. you're you're expending six, seven, eight thousand calories a day between what you're doing for school, travel, and your exercises and your lifting weights and your repetitions with the basketball. How do you think you're going to recover from that when you're not giving your body the time to recover? And Ariana Huffington talks about the, the, the importance of sleep. She's another one that you should check out if you've not already. Do you come across that as well, where their nutrition might be locked in, but then there's other parts of their, their performance that are suffering because they're not sleeping or they're not recovering properly? Oh, for sure. There's, there's four things I track with my athletes on a daily basis. Number one is sleep. Mm. Um, because we know that we don't get stronger in the weight room. We actually get weaker. If you could do 20 pull-ups when you first walk into the weight room, you only could do five when you leave because we break broken down your body. It's with proper sleep and nutrition that we actually are getting stronger. So track how many hours of sleep. And as you track, it's almost like you don't want to know because you're like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm stressing these athletes. And they actually don't need more stress. They need more recovery because you look and you say they're only sleeping four or five. We have athletes that might be averaging five or six hours. And so now we have to work with them. And there might be simple reasons like, hey, we have to just make sure that you're getting to bed on time, put away the, the, the cell phone. Other times there's more deeper level things that we have to kind of work on. But we track their sleep. We track how many meals they have a day. And you asked, hey, what are you seeing with our Gonzaga athletes? I'm not seeing people are that really need to know the question, hey, is grass-fed or organic, is what's mm-hmm. better? I would say that's not the problems that we're dealing with with, that, with the average Division One athlete. The, the problem is, are you eating breakfast? Are you eating lunch? Are you eating a post-workout meal? Most everyone's doing dinner, but those are the big things. And then we track uh, physical fatigue, and then we track mental stress, the idea of, even though they might be sleeping well or they might be eating well, our training program could be good. They're student athletes, and they're also, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they're sons and daughters. And so, um, my job as a strength coach is to manage stress as we go go around. And so, at, for sure, th- those are those are huge. But you know, I think what I want what, before I had the three levels of nutrition, I was talking to these athletes a lot about hey, give up some of these processed carbohydrates and add in better carbohydrates. But what I failed to realize is that's more of a level three talk. If you're not having breakfast and lunch, and then they say, oh, gosh, well, I can have pizza. That's not Mike told me that's not good. I guess I want to have lunch. I'd rather have them get some kind of fuel and make sure they have enough fuel. And then once they're doing that and they, they have lunch into their routine, well, now I can start saying, hey, can we add a little side salad with that pizza? Hey, can we maybe trade out the pizza for something else? And really, it's all about progression. Just like I wouldn't say, hey, go run 26 miles. You want to run a marathon? Let's yeah. go put your shoes on. We'd find out where you're at, and then we slowly progress Let's in. Start with a mile. Yeah, right. And that that's the equivalent of saying to the person that doesn't eat breakfast and lunch, we, we actually literally had a basketball player uh, from Chicago, and he told me, I only eat burgers and pizza. And I kind of oh, laughed. And he's straight face. He's like, what's wrong with that? My brother's in the NBA. That's all he eats. And I'm looking at him. This guy's a, oh, crap. This guy can jump out of the gym. He's bigger, faster, stronger from the outside. He looks like he's healthy. And, and really, why would he? You know, In his mind, why would I? I'm, a, I'm bigger, faster, stronger than everyone. I'm one of the best players in the nation. And so as you go through, you're, gonna, you're dealing with that person. You can't just say, hey, no more burgers and pizza. I want you to have an oatmeal for breakfast yeah. and a salad for lunch. 
what we did with him is we found his fi- one fruit that he could tolerate, and we say, how about add that to lunch? You have a mm-hmm. burger and a piece of fruit, and you just start building his repertoire of, of uh, you know, his toolbox of foods that he can eat. So really, it's, uh, that progression piece is crucial. Where is he at now? Uh, he was Food-wise, in- I mean. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he, I mean, did he expand? He, he, did, he did. You know, seen- and what's kind of nice is, um, you know, he'll never be probably where I'm at, but he doesn't have to be where I'm at. Yeah. He has to just get better. Mm-hmm. And so by the end, yeah, he had way more foods that he could eat. Now it would still probably be to to you as you're talking. You talk. Obviously, you have uh, nutrition. It's a passion of yours or it's important to you. You would look at his diet and say, oh, my gosh, that is horrible. But from where he came from to where he is now is Good such progress. a night and day difference. Cheeseburgers are non-negotiable for me. I always have a cheeseburger <laughs> when I want a cheeseburger. I like that. I'm better. I'm I'm good more than I'm bad, right? Yeah. So, you know, and, and I, this is one of the things that I struggle as I'm as I'm talking to people and trying to help them just on a, a not even a mentorship level. Just, hey, I've been struggling with this. I want to lose weight. And it's like, look, you have to simplify it. And you've been watching guys on Instagram and Facebook. You're talking to a trainer, and this is my issue with you, where they're, they're giving him micro, macronutrients to count, and he still wants to have a beer on a Thursday night when he's at a networking yeah. event, and he's getting told, no, you can't do that. There's a sustainability element to it, and there's also an element that you have to take an approach like you do, where it's like, hey, we're not going to get them to stop eating this. So it's like, hey, can we take calories? If you're supposed to eat 2,000 calories a day, if we add that up for seven days, that's 14,000 for the week. So can you get to 14,000 by Sunday? And maybe on a Saturday, that's 3,000. And maybe on a Friday and a Thursday, it's 1,500 because you're preparing for the weekend. And then when you just extrapolate it out and give them simpler goals or achievable goals, but when you say, hey, you're only allowed this many grams of protein and this many grams of fat and this many grams of this and that, and that's not sustainable for most people that have been brought up in a way that they're not thinking it. about that, right? Well, and we and we just go goes back to that progression. Of course, we would never teach my little kindergartner uh, how to do multiplication and division. It's mm-hmm. not the right time. And of course, he needs to get there, but he's at the counting stage. And it's the same thing for English. It's the same thing for basketball. I, I'll, I'll be. I have a eleven year old son. He's a nice little basketball player, and I'll be working on stuff uh, with the shot. He's not strong enough to just shoot purely with one hand. He uses that offhand a little bit. <laughs> and so now to come in and say, hey, this is how Clay Thompson shoots, it's not, you can't teach that to an 11-year-old. You're not there, Clay Thompson. Yeah. There has to be that progression as you go through. Now, of course, he's going to get there, but someone will come in and they're like, hey, get that guide hand off. And I'm like, oh, too advanced for him. You know, I'm not going to teach my little six-year-old how to do the in-and-out hesitation crossover. <laughs> too advanced for him. And so now if you're taking someone that's – not eating breakfast or someone that has very little nutrition uh, education and practice and then say, now we're going to count macros. Well, I'm a licensed sports nutritionist and I don't count macros. Yeah. I, I, I don't myself, I don't find it that valuable. Um, but I think, I think it's, it's nice to understand it and to be able to, um, you know, maybe formulate a, a, an idea of what you want to eat on a daily or weekly basis. But if I'm weighing and measuring all my foods, like you said, sustainable has to be one well, of those things. No. Because who cares what you weigh in a month or in six months? What about six years or 20 mm-hmm. years, you know? Eating shouldn't be miserable. Eating is something that it brings people together. And if you're coming together with people and you're busting out a plastic dish to eat <laughs> while everybody else is chowing down on steak and potatoes, it's like, look, we can make this manageable. That's my thing for it. It's like, you shouldn't have to do this plastic dish micro counting nonsense. But you talk about the power of three, and I haven't even told you this, but if we 
take Mike's number three concept and apply it. Addition, subtraction, and multiplication. You can figure out all of your calories just using those three concepts. You want to know what your maintenance calories are. You want to know what a three, four, five hundred calorie deficit might do for you, whether it's a pound a week or two pounds a week. And then if you truly want to figure out your body fat percentages and everything, then you're doing a little addition and um, division, right? And it's simple. There's nothing hard about losing weight or leaning out. What we've done is we've created an entire industry based on complicating the issue. The fitness industry and the health industry, people say health and fitness, and health and fitness are two completely different things because there's really fit people that are up on stage flexing their muscles and they are not healthy. Oh, they're yeah. dehydrated, they're emaciated, they're they're just not, they, they can't run 100 meters, they can't lift what they want to lift. They're, they might be strong to a point, but that's kind of, I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about saying to somebody, we need to simplify health and fitness, not make it this really convoluted nonsense that, that it's become. For sure, and I think the way to, for me, the way that I do that with the athletes is just building habits. Because as you go through, we find out through that three levels of nutrition, or it could be anything. Maybe nutrition is not even what we're working on. We, they mm -hmm. come in and, hey, I'm, I'm just feeling really tired. Well, if their nutrition is pretty good, but they're sleeping five, six hours a night, well, that might be what we have to be able to discuss. There's your so issue. Yeah. You, you want to be able to find what's, what's the, the smallest change that's going to make the biggest difference. And then what I like to do is we build habits and we go and try something every two weeks. And I learned this from Precision Nutrition. I think they do a phenomenal job of habit-based nutrition coaching. And so if you came to me and said, hey, I really want to lean out or I really want to get stronger, I want to get faster, whatever that is, we look and see big picture, what are you doing? And I'd find the gaps. And then I'd probably find the, the easiest thing for you to do that's going to produce a change. And so that might be breakfast, that could be lunch, that could be sacrificing some kind of treat for something else. But then once we do that, and I would say on a scale of 1 to 10, let's just say that you have to give up um, drinking soda pop. That could be a hard one. How confident are you? Beer. Beer. Not soda pop. Well, so then if I said, how confident are you that you're not going to drink beer for the next two weeks <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10? And if you say anything less than 9 or 10, it's too big of a change. Yeah. So then I, for you, you probably say, ah, I'm like a three or four. Yeah. Let's find something else. I might say, hey, well, you're having a you cookie every day. Monday for through Thursday type thing. How confident are you to give up beer Monday, th <laughs> Monday to Thursday evening? Well, I think the point would be is that's just too big of a jump. That's like saying, hey, you're running a mile. Let's go yeah. run 26 miles. You and could do luck. it, but it's going to be painful and it's not sustainable. And I can have beer. I can have two beers two nights a week. <laughs> oh, okay. I like those. Those are some good rules. But I would find something else, and I would look and say, well, um, yeah, you're, um, you're having a cookie every day for lunch. Yeah. Hey, what if, what if we traded out that cookie for your favorite fresh fruit? You had a bowl of strawberries instead. How confident are you that you can cut out that cookie and do the fruit every day for the next two weeks? And if you say a seven or eight, I would say, what, what's holding you back? You know, I get you to the point when you leave my office, you say 10 out of 10, I could do it. And then after a week, you get in that habit of, saying no to the cookie because what i found is most people aren't even saying yes to the cookie they're not yeah. even thinking about it you know at, at gu it's just all you can eat so they just walk by this grab it they're eating it without even it's, thinking matter of fact sometimes they're like this doesn't even taste good why yeah. am i eating this and they, they it's finish there. it it's just there i was reading the book that tyler gave us atomic habits, atomic habits. and i'm in this part right now where we're talking about like people eat 
a lot of these things just because it's there. If there's a plate of cookies on the counter, you're going to have a cookie purely because it's just there. Whether yep. or not you even actually want a cookie, you eat it because it's accessible and it's right there. Well, that book, the Atomic Habits book, is kind of picking up where... Have you done uh, The Power of Habit? That's what I was, yeah, yeah, I love that one. And, and that, that relates to me talking about Tony Dungy and applying it to sports and all that stuff, right? From Tampa Bay to Indianapolis and how his systems, basically what he taught the kids or sorry, the players, is why Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl after he left, and then he was able to carry that on with Peyton Manning and the players around him. The habitual nature of eating is where people struggle. They wake up in the morning and they go for a cereal. They're halfway through the morning, and maybe it's a cookie, maybe it's a bag of chips, but whatever it is, they're eating enough, but they're not eating enough of the good things, and to your point, they're not substituting in good carbohydrates that are simple carbohydrates versus the complex carbohydrates, which eventually are going to be stored in a way that is undesirable right when you're when you get too many of them oh gosh and i i i had this great point it was so good uh, about the nutrition piece you have to come back to me on it because i was okay that happens all the time in podcast with yeah. me that's why i also some things like, we, we keep notes we and no keep notes on it yeah well I, I think you know for me it just keeps coming back to that what are people's goals to because so many people say, "Hey, my mom told me this is the way, the best way to eat," or, "Hey, this is what this is what Peyton Manning eats." Well, I, I think we have to find out what their goals are and then where they're at. That still might be the best place for you to go, but if it's too big of a jump, it doesn't matter. You know, what's the, the simplest change that you can make, uh, the easiest change that's going to produce a change for yeah, you, a long-term change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that is that bu- that's that book. Atomic Habits, just small bite-sized changes that add up over time. A 1% daily change, how that adds up every day. Oh, here's what I was going to tell you. Oh. <laughs> oh, this, this, I think this is really good, Be too. Be ready, folks. Because I, I think, you know, tr- truth in one place usually are truth in everywhere. And so with workouts, it would be the same thing, which is you wouldn't want to do the same workout every day for the rest of your life. Your body is going to adjust to that, and then it's going to say, oh, this is my new norm and kind of plateau. You kind of want to create variety and create change, so your body has to constantly adjust to it. Mm-hmm. That's the other reason why I wouldn't want to just take a, a nutrition plan and say, here's how you eat. There's value in making one change, your body has to adjust. Another change, your body has to adjust. And so now I look over the course of the year, and you're constantly introducing new habits for your body mm-hmm. to get used to over time. So it's a progression. But then your body doesn't have to plateau. That. So I think there's there's just so many values to doing stuff and progressing and doing it the right way. And constant experimentation, right? Oh, yeah. Adding things in, taking things away. And I told you I've been having fun with that. Not necessarily like yeah. a full-on Whole30 approach, but I've definitely been adding foods and taking grains away and taking yeah. rice away and different things and adding it back See in and saying, how do, how do I feel two, three days afterwards? How am, I, how am I performing? What can I lift? Is it affecting me in terms of my speed? Is it affecting me in terms of can I get up and dunk a basketball still or I feel lethargic? I think constant experimentation is so, so important. Do you follow Ben Greenfield at all? Yeah, you know, Ben used to work here with me. Oh, I had no oh, idea. Yeah. We actually, this is actually kind of a funny story. I, uh, one of my uh, old coaches now is coaching, where is he at? Uh, Colorado. And the strength coach was like talking to him about this Ben Greenfield guy from Spokane. He's a genius. So my old coach calls me up and was like, hey, our strength coach is obsessed with this Ben Greenfield guy. What do, what do, you, do you know him? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I have his picture just right in my, let's walk into my office. I'll show you. Yeah. I have his picture right on my uh, little mantle over there. But yeah, oh, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. He's, 
he's, he's all about putting his money where his mouth is oh, yeah. and experimenting and stuff out there like i yeah. mean i want to say it was like a week and a half ago he goes on vacation he goes to north carolina and he's getting um not embryonic stem cells but the 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 oh, why can't i think anyway he's getting stem cells from him and others injected back into his body trying to basically he's got like old ben stem cells injecting them back into himself and then he's using umbilical stem cells so from the umbilical cord and he's put and he's at this lab it's just fascinating what he thinks it's doing but you should like i follow it i don't want to be that experimental (laughs) but what he's doing is like next level stuff and when you see him with his shirt off i mean he's doing something and he's not lifting a ton of weights he's you know it's very holistic the approach he takes what he's eating he's got his own key on or kai on nutrition line now that Hmm. is natural and or he claims so but yeah i love the guy and if you know him i'm going to lean on you because i've been wanting to get him to talk on our podcast and he's got his own podcast but he's right here so there's no reason why we shouldn't chat but he's fascinating i love him just yeah he was uh he was an interesting guy here what i noticed like up in his office i went up there and he was a bodybuilder and you see him with the shirt off back Mm -hmm. in the day and he was like huge and then then he was really into exercise physiology and he was doing a lot of the vo2 max testing and bike fitting and personal training um so he just kind of seems like whatever he does he just jumps in with both feet Hmm. well on the joe rogan podcast he was reciting stuff and he does the video as well so he's not reading it he doesn't have notes and the things he retains and how passionate he is just about fitness and health in general is is inspiring so that's cool that you know him i did not know that yeah he's old yeah, you're uh, gonna get hit up now every week from steve until that bends <laughs> on this podcast you know you don't know what you just did yeah well i i could probably hook you up but you gotta uh, inject some stuff in your body you, you, you in I don't like needles, there's a price sure. steven will do it <laughs> um as long as it's not gonna make things not work (laughs) i did hear about that piece of it too that one i'm like "Ah, a little over the edge that's that's you know we talked about people getting on stage and that's for men obviously that's a big thing because a lot of those bodybuilding shows are not clean those guys are putting stuff in their bodies you know and then they've got these increased false testosterone levels and they can't maintain that without supplementing testosterone for the rest of their life pardon the the crassness of this but i want my willy to work long <laughs> into to later life yes yes yeah, i don't think anybody disagrees unassisted. with you unassisted so let's talk oh, again Steven. hoop commitment yeah, good why is that embarrassing no, no, it's funny a lot hey, a lot of the shit that comes out of your mouth sometimes is, i said it the laugh. nicest way i could I that could was respectable I mean, you have the accent so it works yeah, yeah. yeah. It works. if someone wants to get their kid or their athlete involved with hoop commitment or using hoop commitment let's talk about that let's do some little uh self-promotion what you're doing and, and how people can find it and get to it yeah if you're in spokane uh we have our hoop commitment class here at u district where we actually put the stuff into practice so uh, my son does it we have a uh i think it's fourth through sixth grade uh class it's twice a week and we work on body weight speed agility reaction quickness teaching kids basically how to use their body all body weight but a lot of coordination training uh injury prevention as well which is is kind of funny my son is um he kind of looks like a baby deer when he moves and so for me i'm like this this is a great opportunity <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. 
it's a great opportunity for him to be able to get stronger because when you step onto the basketball court or the football field, you're going to be running, cutting, jumping. So if we can teach them proper form and kind of yeah. get their coordination levels right. So we have a, a young group, we have a junior high group, and then we have a high school group. Uh, we have some really nice high school players in it right now. And um, and those guys will train up to four times a week depending on what you're looking for. So that's here at U District, and you can sign up right on udistrictpt.com under our sports performance tab. For anyone that's outside of Spokane, hoopcommitment.com, that's my goal is to really make this a, a really great online resource for basketball coaches, not teaching people how to shoot, dribble, pass, but teaching them how to, to train properly, to eat properly, and how to be great teammates. Uh, the one program I have for sale right now is uh, the Leadership Commitment. I have the three levels of leadership, and so we've mm-hmm. talked about that a little bit. Level one is uh, synergy, your ability to connect with your teammates because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I love that scene. And so that first four weeks, basically what I teach athletes, is everything's in threes. Um, you know, we have the three levels of leadership, but I teach them three things that, that leaders, great leaders do, think, and say. And so it's based off of that model. you got to teach them the research on, you know, for instance, one of the things we teach them is enthusiasm. And we teach them the research on enthusiasm. The NBA did a research study with 294 NBA players, all 30 NBA teams, and they tracked preseason games every single second. And what they looked at is positive interactions, high five, chest bump, and they tallied them. And what they found is a predictor for how good a basketball player you are based off of stats is based off of how enthusiastic you are, how good of a teammate are you, how good are you creating synergy with teammates. And they could predict how successful a team was going to be in by wins based off of the enthusiasm of their teammates. Mm-hmm. And so players need to know that research. They need to think that. And then what we say is we say enthusiasm is contagious. So with my little basketball team or with the Gonzaga basketball team, for that matter, if you say what's enthusiasm, they'll say it's contagious because they know their attitude impacts other people. And what do we do? We give high fives. And so we have level one. We teach them the th- three things to think, say, do. Level two is sweat, basically lead by example. We teach them the three things to think, say, do. And then the highest form of leadership is to serve and to give back, to, to help your teammates, to, to tell them the truth with love. And so if people are interested in that, they can purchase that, um, the three levels of leadership on hoopcommitment.com. I'm working on the three levels of nutrition that should be coming. And then, like I said, I'm almost finished with the three levels of, of basketball strength conditioning. Awesome. Love it. I'll have to do that three levels of uh, nutrition one. Yeah, and what's uh, U District Instagram and Facebook and Hoop Commitment and Yep. So Instagram for U District or Facebook is U District PT. That's uh, PT stands for are you gonna like it's threes physical <laughs> therapy, personal training and performance training. Those are the three areas of our business. We have adult personal training, youth performance training, and physical therapy. Cool. So U District PT is where you find us. Or same thing with the Hoop Commitment. It's just Hoop Commitment on social media. HoopCommitment.com for the website. Nice. And then what are you going to do to Ben and I today? Oh, we're going to bring the pain. Well, what I thought I'd do was uh, I, would, I really want to teach you about the three planes of motion as we go through. So okay. I was going to take you through a, a nice dynamic warm-up, cool. a strength conditioning uh, session based off of more than just a sagittal plane. Because if you if you look at life. That's a big word. Yeah, you like that? Sagittal plane. Sagittal plane. So the sagittal plane runs front to back. That's kind of flexion and extension. Uh, the frontal plane goes side to side, kind of side bending or, or side stepping, and the transverse plane is rotation, twisting. Oh. And that's right, transverse plane. 
the translation is up and down, but you rotate around that, that translation. So you have front to back, side to side, and rotation. And if you look at sports, if I look at the game of soccer or basketball, so much of it is side to side and rotation. And if you look at injuries, we don't sprain an ankle in the sagittal plane. We sprain an ankle side to side in the frontal plane. You don't tear an ACL in the sagittal plane. You tear an ACL with rotation in the transverse plane. So if we look and say sports performance is happening in all three planes and injuries are happening in all three planes, why are strength coaches spending predominantly 90% of our time with bench press, rows, lunges, planks, crunches, curls? Everything is linear, and then we're going to go ask our athletes to be able to decelerate motion side to side in rotation or be explosive. And so what's kind of nice is we, we have to create mobility in our hips and our ankles, our thoracic spines, and all three planes of motion. Once we create that mobility, you have to have stability there. And mm-hmm. then that third level is can be we be explosive. And that's where I'm at. The three levels of basketball training is drive, defend, and dominate. And drive would be the idea of can you drive into those positions? Can, do I have the range of motion? Now can I defend those positions? Can I hold there? And then can I dominate my space? Can I be explosive in it? So that's what love you guys it. have in store for you today. Woo. Love it. All right. So I, I brought my running shoes. Before we finish, this is kind of a two-pronged question. First one, I want you to think about this one. If LeBron stays in Cleveland, did Cleveland win the, the championship this year? Because oh. they just, obviously, uh, Toronto just won it. Second question, talk to me about the NBA Finals, what your thoughts are on it and how it ended up. Okay. I would say LeBron does not win it. If he's in Cleveland with if, the same team as he had last year, I'm I'm just kind of going off the fly here. <laughs> uh, I'm making this up just because. Um, had you thought about that? Because I thought no. about it on the way in here, and I was like, I'm going to ask that. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, you know, I didn't follow them. I didn't follow Cleveland. I don't really don't watch the NBA until playoff time. So only thing I kind of saw was obviously LeBron was hurt with when he was uh, you know with the adductor mm-hmm. growing strain. Um, but I really love watching the finals, and I love watching um, the Raptors. And Kawhi, man, that guy is, he just does it all. Next level, right? Next level, and they made big plays. And so. And he was hard. He was playing 70 or 80%. Yeah, that's amazing. So I would, I would probably say the finals end up the way they, they were. And then uh, but I would say, um, oh, what I think about the finals, it was a really tough finals for me because I like the underdog. Not that the Raptors necessarily were the underdogs, but I think everyone kind of figured that the Warriors are going to win it. But my son's a Warriors fan. Oh, and teach so, him properly, mate. Come on. So, Lakers, there's only one team in California. <laughs> uh, well, but I have to admit, when, the, when, when um, Golden State is sharing the ball, it is so fun. And so, actually, I root for them most of the time because mm-hmm. I hate that ISO ball, you know. Like, And I, Harden's a great player, but it's just brutal to just watch. It's old everyone just stand and watch how great he is but then he kind of loses all his teammates and i love mm-hmm. to see that ball just whip around the perimeter and get a, a better shot from a good shot so um yeah but it was kind of tough because my heart was kind of saying raptors but outwardly you know you got to root with your son yeah. you know well i've always been an extra pass guy like oh i've always been hey find that extra pass whether it's soccer basketball even volleyball it's like hey just because you can get it over don't don't just put it over. Like, let's set up the right uh, one, right? Be strategic. I love the finals because I wanted Toronto to win. I like Kawhi. But beyond that, I know the Lakers have one more max salary space left, even though they just got AD. And I'm thinking, 
maybe, maybe, maybe Kawhi might just want to join LeBron and AD, and that would be the next big three. Do you think that really could happen? There, I mean, there's all kinds of rumors out there. They're also talking to Kyrie, so Kyrie might be joining. Um, really? Yeah, we'll see. So now, why I thought Kyrie kind of left because he kind of wanted to do his own thing, you know, away what's from he won LeBron. Since then? Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> you know, w- and it's not the- to say that. I mean, I think LeBron has to embrace where he's at at this point, and it's like, hey, you're he's a he's a monster. Like there, I don't know that there's ever been or ever will be a physical specimen like him. Zion. <clears throat> Maybe we'll see. You on time will tell, but that guy's but, amazing. I mean, you have to remember as well. Until this year, LeBron did not have an injury that kept him out for a, a, no. a strength uh, for a stretch of time. So to be 15, 14, 15 years into a career and be there, I mean, that's that's next level stuff. I just physically, I just think that man was made to play basketball or be a tight end, and he chose <laughs> yeah. the he chose the right thing. But I think he's going to accept his role a little more. Hey, be the distributor. So almost go that Steph Curry route where, yeah, you can turn it on and go yeah. for 40 or 50 points in a night, but can you dial it back to 20 or 25, make Kyrie feel good or make AD feel good or make Kawhi look good? And I think that's that's where the Lakers are going to go. And we can talk about this, obviously, in a couple of months and be like, hey, we were right or we were wrong. That's what I mean. I, like I said, I, I really don't watch a lot of regular season, but to me that seems where his heart's always been. He seems like he likes to be part of a team and distribute. Mm-hmm. It seems like he likes to pass as much as he likes to score. Yep. And it seems like people gave him a hard time for that. Why he's not dominating the game at the end, taking the shot, but it seems like his idea of good basketball is getting a good shot. You know, He could obviously dominate a game when he wants. but He's never been happier than when he played with Dwayne Wade. And Dwayne Wade scored 25 to 30 a night. Yeah. LeBron scored and Chris Bosh accepted his role there as well. He did the dirty work and put up 15 to 20. So I just think that there's... I'm obviously biased because I'm a big Lakers fan. Uh, Kobe Bryant's my guy as well. So it's been kind of hard to accept since Kobe and LeBron were kind of always pitted against each mm-hmm. other. I've always thought LeBron's an amazing player. Didn't like when he went to South Beach. Didn't like when he... Uh, um, I like that he went back to Cleveland and... I mean, I'll I'll support the Lakers over a player all the time. So, but yeah, there's there's my uh, short NBA feelings right now. We heard it here first. Sorry, Ben. Ben's just glazed over. We've talked about shoes, <laughs> oh, which bore him. We've talked about basketball. Oh, oh God, I'm awake. It's good. Um, this I'm, is I'm the awake. worst podcast interview guest ever. <laughs> <laughs> We're teaming up with the Jordans. We're talking hoops. He's yep. like bored over here. Why don't you guys go? You wanna go have a coffee date together after this or something? You. <laughs> Sure. Steven's like, yeah, I'd love that. We, uh, Let's do it. Yeah. We, uh, we might even have a beer, but you're not allowed. I'm not, I can have two <laughs> beers a week. Two beers, two days. Two beers, two days. Yeah, so we've actually found that at the end of these, people have questions for us. Is there anything you want to ask Ben or I about what we're doing? You know, well, yeah, I want to find out because you guys have started this journey. And it seems like it's maybe you know, maybe started with like short-term vision now. Is this something that you do forever? Are you a podcaster, lifer? That's a good question. We don't really know. <laughs> at least the podcast side. Hopefully the workout side, that journey continues, at least for me. Where I'm at with it is that I have been more candid, open and raw, speaking into this microphone with Ben and other people than I probably have with some of my closest friends. Wow. So it's been it's been really eye-opening. And I think when you start doing your, your podcast and have guests on, you're going to find that once you forget these are here, it's just, it's cool. It's mm-hmm. like a community. Like, for instance, we talked Tyler Dickerhoof. Some of the stuff he talked about opened your eyes to, to nutrition on a broader scale, I think, and how you approach it, you know, because you, 
when he talked organic versus grass fed and all the all the marketing versus the reality that ended up being a two-part podcast yeah. <laughs> two hours like over two hours yeah, he's fun to talk um, to yeah we also do accountability updates and i've been through some stuff since the start of the year i was dating somebody and kind of got went sideways, went sideways and now now we're talking again and so sharing that stuff it's filled my cup it's offered an outlet it's That's almost nice. like a weekly counseling session with this big goofy guy next yeah. to me. It's Thanks. Good. And then walking down the street, I've had people recognize us from this. Not that I don't crave that, but it's yeah. nice when people offer you their advice and their insight. Yeah. And hey, I heard you were struggling with this. Let's get a coffee and talk That's about cool. it. So this has filled my cup and just offered an outlet that I've never had because I've been very, with me, it's love or hate, and there's very little middle ground. And the people that love me, love me hard. And the people that hate me, hate me hard. But a lot of times, the only way to get from one to the other is by actually being in the middle, right? And being raw and open and vulnerable. And I think the ones that dislike me, usually it's because I haven't opened up or I've seemed very aloof or almost arrogant. But it's not. It's just that my circle's small and I'm kind of guarded. And this has really made me open up. Mm -hmm. And you've you've seen that. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, so, I think you've opened up a lot. But I think the other part... I I think we both have, honestly. I, I said what this podcast gave me when I've told you kind of off the air is like an ability to speak a vision into something really too, like kind of an entrepreneurial spirit that you don't always get quenched in finance. It's like, ah, oh, I didn't really expect that because you kind of run, I mean, this kind of gets run like a little business. This podcast does like in terms of marketing it and produce, I mean, Stephen does mostly editing, most of the back-end laid work. So Black hole that, business. Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> times suck. Yeah. It's a different podcast. But no, I think it is true. I mean, we've gotten to get fulfilled in, in ways that I didn't really expect it would fulfill me, and I wouldn't have probably stuck with the working out side of things if we didn't do the podcast, just because I know myself where it's like, oh, I'm not, it's, it's just not something, I mean, we're six months, I started Thanksgiving, we're eight months into working out, basically, and I still am not like, I, I'm just not a fan of it. I just I'd go into the gym, the grunts. I always say the people with the freaking milk jugs yeah. of water, the D bags with their nipples hanging out the sides of their shirts. Like I just everything about the gym I loathe. It's like the idea of it. But it's like if we didn't have the podcast, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't go. So there'll have to be some type of accountability measure, even if this podcast yeah. ever is not existent anymore. But one thing I was gonna say, which is also kind of cool, is I just told Stephen last week. Like I just had somebody reach out. Said, hey, I've been listening to your podcast. Someone I haven't talked to since high school. And he might even hear this. And asking about career advice and stuff like that on it, too. So we're getting people that, happens a that lot. are here and, yeah, that are now asking for our advice on things. Like, hey, I heard you talking about this topic. That's what cool. are your thoughts? And it's like, wow, cool. Yeah. I appreciate you thinking that we have value to offer outside of the podcast, too, which is yeah. really cool. And it's been a challenge for you and I not to be self-deprecating at all because we're like, why are people listening to us sometimes? Yeah. But we are good at what we do and we're, we, we have insights sometimes beyond. Sometimes you don't realize it. Yeah. yeah, but I guess the short answer to that is I see myself podcasting with no end in sight. I don't plan on stopping it. It might morph or evolve to something different, mm -hmm. concepts and things like that. But this is a starting point. And so far, we've got people listening, people enjoying it. Lots of feedback that people want us to keep doing it. So yeah, I'll do I think it it's like you said, it's kind of, you kind of you're like, oh, I can only think right into what I'm doing right here. Now, I think that's probably with us with this podcast. Like we got 2019. We committed to 2019 as yeah. the journey. At the end of it, Oh, who knows? Yeah. We'll see. Maybe we'll do a different podcast. But the beauty of it is with it being a journey is maybe you get to the end of 2019 and you're in the best shape of your life and your yeah. business is in the best shape of its life and you go, well, 
now we got to stay accountable again. So what does 2020 have in store? And how do we morph it or adapt it to be relevant then? So yeah, I'll I'll keep doing it, whether Ben wants to or not. I can always find a better looking partner or maybe somebody that's nicer to look at across the table. And I can find someone who's just nicer. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's a... (laughs) Yeah. So... I guess we'll wrap it up there. So if you're um, still here with us after an hour or so, we... There's that self-deprecating thing, yeah, right? there's that thing, yeah. um, supposed to work on that, uh, don't you remember? O2E Journey on Instagram. Ordinary to Extraordinary on Facebook. You can reach out to Ben on Instagram. He's B-E-N-K-L-U-N-D-T. And the U has the two little dots. What do you call those? Those are umlauts, and I don't think they're actually on there, by the way. <laughs> It's just Facebook they're on, I think. And then I'm S-T-E-B-R-O-W-N and then the number eight. I was number eight, not number three. Before Kobe as well, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, you can find us there. Thanks, Mike. We really appreciate you. Oh, thanks so much yeah, for having me. appreciate you was, coming on. You guys made this easy. You're pros. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well. Woo! No, we are pros, Stephen. Non-self-deprecating. Don't pros get paid? We get paid in heaven dollars <laughs> <laughs> you're getting paid in a workout dollars today yeah, yeah. we're getting paid in workout dollars <laughs> sweat like so crazy. we're gonna go and get sweaty with mike he's gonna put us through a workout we'll put a picture of their shoes online too yeah until the next time be good to yourselves and to each other boom Hey
right about now. <laughs>